How do you make something that's interesting to people that don't even care about an industry and the insiders happy? And that's what we've been able to do. There are only a few people on the planet doing infographics, which is a fancy way of saying visual communications, pretty pictures for people that can't read, but more accurate. <laughs> Welcome to the Nursing Home Podcast, your go-to source for professional insights in the long-term care industry. Hear from leaders and experts as they share current and practical insights to help make the most of your day. I'm a long-term care financial specialist. What that means is I help people plan for the inevitable. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to think about getting old, but it's possible that someday we might need a little bit of care. Here's your host, nursing home administrator turned podcaster, Shmuel Septimus. Welcome to another live LinkedIn live uh, recording of the nursing at home podcast really having a lot of fun doing these podcasts live for all of you guys today so today we get to focus on something that is very near and dear to me uh, especially and we get to talk about the nursing home industry and we get to focus on the way nursing homes perceive themselves and the way that nursing homes the way that they communicate and market themselves to their partners. And this is not limited to nursing homes. This has to do with other care centers, assisted livings, daycare centers, senior centers. In general, those who are providing care in this space have been, how shall we say this nicely, they've been a little bit behind other industries in regards to using the latest and greatest and shiniest new objects that work and applying them in a practical way that makes business sense for them. And really excited to bring on today's guest, uh, Brian Wallace. Many of you know who Brian is already. Um, Some of you don't, but Brian is the CEO and founder, president and founder of Now Sourcing. And Brian, I'm not going to tell you, tell everybody else who you are. Why don't you give them a little bit of your background how you got to doing what you are so that they understand who they'll be listening to throughout this podcast. Sure. So I know people like listening to podcasts in one sitting instead of for an hour and a half. So I'll make that part short. Thank you again, Shmuel, for the opportunity. Great to be here. Love the show and an honor to be on here. So as Shmuel says, my name is Brian Wallace, but unlike the other 500,000 Brian Wallaces in the world, I'm the founder and president of Now Sourcing. Before I got into marketing and before we got into this whole deep dive rabbit hole in senior care and healthcare and all that kind of stuff. I was a technologist for first eight, 10 years or so of my career. And I don't know about you guys, but a lot of technology kind of is infuriating, right? How many times you walk into the Starbucks, you just want to order the coffee, you want to connect to Wi-Fi. You don't want a whole five hour lecture about how it all works. You just want the coffee, you want to pay for it, you want to log on, do your work, whatever, right? So I found that a lot of times when it comes to all of this, people didn't really want to hear anything that I or other people on my teams had to say about technology. They just wanted the stuff to work. So I enjoy being a good communicator. And I feel that a lot of technologists, no offense to the technology community, they don't really communicate with the outside world. They love hiding behind all these acronyms and stuff. And it was just kind of a frustrating place to be. And also I, after working for that long, had a great desire to work for myself. So I worked in a variety of capacities. I worked for the government, I worked for dot-coms, startups, Fortune 500s, and eventually I worked my way up all the way to being a chief technology officer. And I finally just kind of left that world. And actually, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, August of 2020, or whatever month we are in coronavirus times, 
mixed uh, 14 years that my company and I've been around. So it wasn't like an overnight kind of transition. At first I thought, oh, maybe I want to do IT services and all that. Yep. If I'm working for myself and I don't really like technology, maybe I can skip all of this. And keep in mind, 14 years ago almost was 2006. So this was sort of the dawn of social media. So imagine doing social media for companies before you can literally even have a Facebook page. So it was a very weird time of the Wild West when everybody was trying to find their footing with social in a very different world, rather than just a top-down screaming approach and billboards and TV and advertisement, social changed the game for a lot of companies. Everybody had, I'll say more of a level playing field, because if we're honest, it, it's not a level playing field kind of ever, but that's okay and I digress and we can swoop back on that one later because it will prove yeah. useful. Needless to say, a few years into the social media world and the social media game, Calling yourself a social media expert sometimes is a, a difficult spot because everybody's a social media expert. Just ask them or people automatically assume if a person's like under 25 years old and they like texting their friends that they're social media experts. Easy to do if it's just you, but if you have to do an actual persona of a business and be a professional and Wall Street's watching and all their customers are watching for you to make a bunch of goofs in a, a time where everybody's uh, a little bit sensitive right now and for good reason. Not so simple, right? So after a few years of this, not wanting to defend myself against all the 18 year olds down the block from them, I thought there's gotta be a better way than just being a social media generalist because specialties were abound. So I took stock of what I was good at, what the other people on the team were good at. And it, to me, it really looked like the things that we had going for us were, we were great storytellers. We were great at visually displaying that. And we were great at like crashing servers, making things go viral, even though I hate the phrase going viral, people take it the wrong way. You don't want everything to go viral, but that's another story. Yeah, making especially not in Corona times. Yeah, no kidding, right? Oof. <laughs> I can't say anything without like five meanings to it. But to make things predictively go viral and get influence, be successful, do all those kinds of things. That's what we were able to do. We were able to engineer content because we understood what makes people click, think, like, act, buy, share, all the different microtransactions of the brain. Before you get into all the details, you have to win over people's trust. Now, you can do that by showing up with wheelbarrows full of money, but you can also do that with really good content that resonates with people. It still works. Nothing's changed about that. Just the format of it, I think, changes. So around the end of 2008, after we're just like, ugh, enough of all this random social media stuff, there were only a few people on the planet doing infographics, which is a fancy way of saying visual communications, pretty pictures for people that can't read, but more accurately, simplicity <laughs> is not easy. To make anything simple that can satisfy the desires and wants of a communications group of let's say the, the core constituents and the so-called experts and also the uninitiated out there, right? How do you make something that's interesting to people that don't even care about an industry and the insider's happy. And that's what we've been able to do. So fast forward to today, we've worked with all sorts of different brands all over the world, all sorts of big companies, and even this whole crazy like nursing home senior care world, which has been dramatically shifting over the past few years. Wow. That is um, 
first of all, a very, very full response to my simple question. I really appreciate it. I actually <laughs> love the fact that you're calling your infographs to people who can't read because <laughs> it's really true, even, at, even if you don't take it literally, but people are not interested or able to focus and read a whole complex, um, you know, list of numbers and even if it's graphic you know graphs and charts and things like that you want to give it to me simple i want to right. you know look at some pictures and you know even there this is something that you, did, you didn't mention that when you go to infographics you know people might say well, oh infographic well my 18 year old daughter is going to school and for graphic design she does infographics because she goes on to canva and she has a template and she puts in some random information what people don't realize is it's the same similar to what you expressed earlier about social media marketing just because you know how to sign up to facebook and just because you have a smartphone and just because you enjoy the stuff doesn't make you an expert there's a very very specific strategy that people are trying to do and you might be popular with your friends but if you have a business that wants to accomplish a specific goal get a specific message to a targeted audience in a clear way that will make them take action and increase their bottom line Pretty pictures doesn't do it. So you're being in a way you're being humble because maybe I'm one of those guys. You speak to my wife about how much I like to read, but if it's if it's a short video on YouTube, thirty seconds or less, or an infographic, even if it's multiple pages, but you're capturing the mind, you're capturing the attention. It's a, something. It starts off, you know, bold enough that we're interested in learning about what this thing is. It's something. They're very very complex. And that's the reason why you need the infographic to begin with. I just got off the phone with someone else who's working with you who will remain nameless. And the reason why they needed the product is because they had a hard time explaining their complex and specific service within the, within the senior care space to uh, people who need to buy into them. But when they come with something, they can roll it out or email it to them or whatever. And they're, this is who we are. And not just us as a company. Usually, you're going to zoom out and you're going to look at the industry, look at the bigger problem, the bigger picture. You know, what is, you know, the senior care space and why are people in nursing homes to begin with and educate them on that. And this is something that they walk away with. These are questions that sometimes people in the industry either never think of asking or they're so far in that it's embarrassing to ask these basic <laughs> and fundamental questions. I know this, you know, when I started as a nursing home administrator, I can't ask anything. But once you're doing it for four or five years, you really don't know how they came to exist. You really don't know why it's important. You don't know why certain payment models work this way. You don't know the new changes. These are things that people are more reluctant to ask. And when you open it up in a certain way, you know, that's a, that's a whole different a way of communicating a message. And I'll, um, we're going to get to some of the questions in a moment, but I'll just tell you a personal pet peeve of mine. As a oh, nursing home administrator, <laughs> it's not you. Yeah. <laughs> As a nursing home administrator, yeah. um, we've we everyone you know nursing homes as as uh, behind as they may be when it comes to technology and some of these new tools, which you're saying 2006 ain't that new, but as far as using them, they're up to the point where okay, I get it. I need to exist on social. I need a website for crying out loud, right? I if I don't, especially now, if I don't exist online, then I don't exist at all. But what is the goal in having their social media account, which, whichever profile they're using? What's the goal on the website? Who am I trying to talk to? What action do I want them to take? You can throw up a bunch of tabs and a bunch of call to actions. 
Is this for a potential resident? Is this for a staff member? Is this for regulators? Is this for the media? Is this to educate the general public? It, may, it will be a completely different copy. And it may be all or some of those. And if it is all of them, which ones are more important? Which calls to action are more in your face? Which ones are necessary to be there, but it's okay if they're in the footer? And the same thing goes with their social media accounts. If you just post random stuff that you Google a picture of Happy Monday on every Monday and July 4th and all this other stuff, yeah, you are you exist, so you accomplish something. You Do you know who you're targeting? Are you getting, is your facility located in Massachusetts? You're targeting people in Texas? Pretty much a waste of time, right? Uh, are you, crea- do you even know who you want to engage with your content and what you, what's the message, what's the goal? So, it's frustrating for me sometimes, like you're saying, you know, you, you, you were competing against, you know, the 18 year olds. This is really true because the 18 year olds can get the job done and you could check the box that now you have a social media account. You check the box. I have a website, check the box. I have content every X number of days and they could even get their mother and their friends to like it and comment on it and share it. And you might even be able to fake some real engagement, but that's garbage. That does not accomplish any business results at all. But most many uh, operators and CEOs will feel like the job was done. And oh my gosh, I told you social media is a joke because look, my census is still in the dumps. My staffing is still an issue. The The general feeling, the culture in the building hasn't changed. So I paid for this guy to do it. All right, as long as he's not too expensive, as long as he doesn't, you know, their, their cost, their invoices below a certain threshold, it'll kind of fly under the radar for a while until someone else comes and, you know, and tries to shake things up. So just being there and just creating content and just um, saying that I am now with the new generation is 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 really pointless. And I can tell you that the people actually reach out and they say, listen, we need a uh, social media presence. And, and it's surprising to them. I tell them why. What do you need it for? What was wrong until now? Why are you doing it? What's the goal? And then when they tell me, oh, we'll just hire someone in-house to do that. I said, okay, great do that great what, what is this person what is this person in house gonna do you're gonna get you get your neighbor to do it well for that price i get a full-time person do it have that full-time person do it does that full-time person know what the goals are do they know how to accomplish it if they do great and you know then knock yourself out anyway so the point is um that what you mentioned that the the space has been behind the the first step what i've seen and even as a ministry i was something i was always trying to push was okay, we're doing it, whatever the new it is. But doing it is insufficient if it's not accomplishing the goals that you set out initially to do. Okay, I'll get off my little pet peeve there. But I feel better. Thank you for listening. (laughs) Soapbox. Just so we're clear, and in case you missed what Shmuel's saying, we are not uh, against Mondays, Texas, or 18-year-olds. They all have their place in the world. What we have no chill whatsoever for, though, is... Social media, infographics, messaging, digital transformation, internally, externally, and so on, is not like a just a box that you check as one of the things to do before you die, right? It always amazes me why somebody, as you've well stated, Schmoll, we're doing social media. Oh, because we're supposed to do it. It's not checking a box. It's an amplifier of your voice and your brand to the public. What do you want people to know about you? Is there a crisis? Can you get ahead of that? It just, it makes no sense if you're just going to have it and all you're doing is happy Monday from Texas, according to the 18 year old. I don't know how those three things always go together, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that there are quite a number of 18 year olds 
in Texas on a Monday, but that's beside the point right now. <laughs> but if you don't have an actual plan in mind with what you're doing, it will be a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you are just part of the old school and you're like, look, this is the way we always did business. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, if it works for you, great, work with it. But the reason why we're challenging that sentiment is it's starting not to work that way. And when all of real estate or a lot of real estate is canceled or restricted and you can't, but people that want to visit the facilities and evaluate the facilities, now what do you do? Now you kind of have to give in to our crazy world of digital because it's the only thing that's growing. It's your only access to the outside world. It's your only way to communicate, to share the, the joys and the sorrows and everything else that's in between, all of those moments. So it can't be ignored anymore. So if you're from the old school and you think that all this stuff is dumb and it's just where idiots hang out and play on TikTok all day, you're right, but you're also very wrong. And when you look at all of this as a self-fulfilling prophecy, if you just say, well, I checked the box and I made an unqualified person on my team, the social media manager that's literally never even been in social and has no media training or knows how to communicate and can't even spell right and use grammar. Well, you know, would you make that person CEO? If you're that person, would you make yourself CEO? You should just fire yourself. I mean, it's crazy, right? So to go in with negative expectations really into anything is utterly futile. Right. And I'll just, you know, add to that. That during COVID, you know, people, people are desperate to learn more information about, you know, nursing homes, about assisted livings. The potential prospects are actually biting. And because these needs are still exist, and in some ways the needs are greater and they have nowhere to go besides for digital. What So on the one hand, it's, you know, they, they are very challenging times for for everyone involved. But one one, I guess, silver lining, I know this came up in the podcast, I believe, yesterday that somebody pointed out is that this is forcing society as a whole to explore the limits of how much we can rely on the digital world and on the internet to to do things that otherwise we thought had to be in person how many do all those corporate meetings does corporate jet have to exist right i'm just giving extreme examples do they really need an office in every major city in the country does every executive have to fly across the country every single week to just check in and you know get some quote unquote FaceTime, is that really necessary? What, and just to bring it you know to our conversation, if you want to make a decision of which healthcare facility to place the loved ones, you have to actually go in and and check it out. If you want to learn, you want to check in on them. Of course, it's great to be able to do it face to face. A parent, you know, a lot of their their social well being is when their child comes in every day and brings them their coffee and their donuts, or or spends some time with them, takes them for a walk, or does whatever they do with them. And that maybe that's not replaceable, but to what extent can that work? To what extent can telehealth help and and add as a component to the physician oversight in the facility? Uh, yesterday we spoke about it. to what extent can telehealth even re- replace or support some of the physical therapy as crazy as that sounds right but even that is possible to an extent and now these things are not replacing in person we're not saying that we should keep all nursing home residents at home and just log into their computer and provide for them their care because that's completely impractical what we are saying is let's a COVID in general even not in the healthcare space not in the senior care space in general is forcing us to test the limits of what we can do uh, remotely, what we can do um, online. And 
even when, if and when, hopefully soon, uh, when when we can have a new form of normal, whatever that's going to look like and whenever that's going to be, we still should realize we should be maximizing these tools. So it's an opportunity right now when we're forced into this as a healthcare facility, which generally is perceived as a very in-person type of experience, which is a very in-person type of experience. You cannot give an injection online yet, right? You cannot You cannot draw blood online yet. Maybe never. <laughs> and certain things are maybe not possible. But the physician can certainly evaluate someone remotely, and they do a superb job at doing that. And as if you have the right tools and the right company and the right physician on the other side of the phone, on the side of the device, whatever you're using, you can really, you can really almost get this the same level of care on a day-to-day basis. You may need someone to come in every week or whatever. You know, it doesn't replace it, but it's a tremendous, tremendous support. Another thing that it does also is, you, I'm getting back to what you mentioned earlier about leveling the playing field. It used to be that you were limited to your local, uh, your local clinical talent. So if the best physician for you is in Oklahoma and you're in Nebraska, are those near each other, Brian? Um, <laughs> well, either way. What are you asking me? Come on. <laughs> um, Same general region. The point, is, the point is if they're not in, right, if they're not in your region or if, if whatever, they're, they don't cover your area, so you're limited to whoever that is. If with telehealth becoming more and more accepted, a lot of the regulations, as we know, are relaxed dramatically right now. Uh, we can't expect that to stay that way forever but what it's doing is that if i'm the best uh podiatrist in the country or for this specific type of diabetic uh you know senior then i can provide care where i live in new york i can provide care i don't live in new york but theoretically if i did i could provide care in boston i could provide care in michigan i could provide care anywhere because people need my services are going to be able to do it. the best is going to the cream is going to flow to the top and if i'm a bad podiatrist and just because in the past you were limited to me because i'm the only one in our in our little town i'm sorry buddy you're going to have to up your game or start selling shoes or doing something that you're really good at which is kind of what you did in your company right you figured you went out and you said hey there's so many people doing all those different types of stuff what is nail sourcing uh, uniquely skilled at experienced at what are the things that we can do that no one else can do what are the things that we can do better than <laughs> know everybody else? Let's just do that and let the world do everything else. So this is something that that uh, nursing homes now have to understand that if it couldn't be done digitally, it's going to be done digitally to the extent that it makes sense, to the extent that it's practical. Now let's just let's move a little bit more specifically to the communication and marketing standpoint um, in the nursing home space. So. Yes, exactly. So what do you think is the biggest area where the nursing home industry and the senior care industry has been sleeping when the rest of the world has been progressing? And what specific areas do you think that they should be upping their game um, from what they're doing currently? Sure. So I think a lot of the nursing home, senior care, long-term care, acute care, whatever words we want to call this thing, which nationwide is something like a $25 billion market which I have stats where we can look at that and post it in the comments later. And some people are going to argue and you're going to say, oh, you're going to count this. You're going to count that. Just relax, everybody. Like Whatever numbers you want to call it's like 8,900 facilities and $25 billion. So it's enormous. It's just as big as a lot of these other cool industries. But a lot of people have been ignoring it inside the industry and especially outside the industry because it's boring, because it doesn't even have websites and social media profiles and all the cool trendy tools. But 
here's the thing about every industry on the planet that's not cool or whatever, like shoes and apparel and music and the movie industry and whatever technology stuff. What's great about this is people don't realize what a incredible lottery ticket opportunity treasure chest that they have because if everybody in your industry is doing really basic garbage and you can do anything a couple of clicks better you win and not only do you win but you win bigger and what else is really interesting about the industry is a lot of the old guard that was just completely ignoring social checking it as a box self-fulfilling prophecy saying oh social doesn't work because i went on twitter one day and called it a day, right? Like, does anything work that way? Do you drive a car once? I don't understand that. No, that's because there's nothing to understand. It's not real. It's, it's, it's purposely biasing the results to what you want, right? So people can have a little bit more flexible mental model, usually do a little bit better. So yeah. a lot of the old guard is kind of changing hands in it. A lot of facilities are kind of just going belly up. And other places are just coming on in and acquiring stuff left and right. So there's been, even pre-COVID, a lot of tectonic shifts. So that was one opportunity. The other opportunity from a media perspective is when you used to do like a Google News search or whatever, you type in nursing homes and nothing, right? Now, everything's in the news every minute of the day and not always for a good reason, right? So you can't, so a lot of times when people are like, oh yeah, I'm not on social. Is that a problem? I'm like, no, good. You have nothing to say. It's better to have nothing out there than just like a, a blank account with nothing going on. But now in defense of other people that might be giving them a bad name or shady stuff that might be happening that they need to explain, you have to be out there. Every company is a media company, whether you like it or not, whether you want that to exist or not, whether you want the internet to exist and you wish that everybody would be nice and whatever. We, look, we can't have nice things, right? So there's going to be things going on in the world. As soon as COVID hit in the United States, what was the first thing you heard about in the news? Everything going, and I'm not picking on areas or companies or whatever, but immediately the most vulnerable people in situations, AKA nursing homes, it was just absolutely on fire in Seattle. And then there was all sorts of stuff on the, on the East coast, right? So now is the time that you cannot ignore this for your business if you're anything in this space. And like I said before, the incredible opportunity because there's no singular brand, right? I mean, there's a few well-known trade publications, but if you ask random people out there in the world, they can't think of a lot of iconic personalities in the nursing home long-term care acute care space. So it is like the wild west. It's almost like 2006 starting again with social media brand new. Like I can't even believe it. It's crazy. Wow. No, this is really true. And I really love what you said. You know, every company is a media company, whether you like it or not. You know, we don't want the media coming. And I remember specific incidents when we had bad things going on in our facility and we have people outside on the front lawn, their whole job is to keep the media out pretty much as much as is possible. Um, but that is something that people have to realize. And the, the other point also that you make is that the media right now is talking about this industry, whether we like it or not. The media is going to talk specifically um, about certain companies and homes and it's not very comfortable. The opportunity of social is that you can tell your own story. There's no, you're the, the own editor. Again, uh, assuming that the platforms are playing fair and they allow you to post what you, what you would like, which for the most case, most part they do. 
you can set the story straight. Be respectful, be truthful, and say and say what is really happening in your facility. Obviously, there are compliance issues. There are HIPAA issues. You know that you can't just walk around with a smartphone and start taking pictures and videos and posting it. That's what goes into what we said earlier: is that there's a strategy involved. But there's a a responsibility because you are a media company, whether you like it or not. And if you're not, you know you're irrelevant to some extent. And it's this is a very very real way to share your story. Now, if you've never done anything on social. And if you've never taken it seriously, you're going to start posting things that are really happening. So you're going to have a, a major national publication putting out stuff about you and your Facebook page that has two followers and includes four, whatever, two employees and whatever. <laughs> what did you say? I said, bye-bye. <laughs> yeah, that's not helping anything. Right. Uh, the, the, for your facility, the people that matter the stakeholders, you know, the local community, depending on the size of the company, but the local community is what really matters. If you already have a relationship with them, so then then there's something to talk about. And something I tell clients, like we mentioned earlier, is that when they really don't understand what is going on, when they don't really understand what social media is, is that, that social media for businesses is you're, you're, you're cultivating professional relationships at scale. That's what you're doing. If this is not something you would say in person, you don't say it on social. You're going to meet that person face-to-face, and they're going to expect you to be an extension of your online brand, and you're not. That's going to work against you. And right. I know this from experience it's when there were points. It's an amplifier, right? These people it's apparently an, through a few classes in kindergarten. I don't know. Right. So it, it, it will amplify who you are. So you have an opportunity. Yeah. In other words... What there's, for example, uh, a particular example. When I started out in this industry a few years back, right. the understanding was you want to grow your census in a nursing home, you have to had develop strong relationships with the hospital case managers, with the physicians, because they're the ones who, even maybe if they're not supposed to, but they drive where where the referrals end up. They they drive where the patients end up, and there's truth to that. As uh, over the last few years, many, many hospitals have closed completely to external marketers coming in and even talking to them. And like we have a system, uh, they all went electronic, right? The, so a very short while ago, things were still faxes and papers and things like that. But right now, um, but, but right now, you know, everything's going all electronic. Like if you need anything, put it in the system, in the system, in the system. To, and it, it, that made it a challenge. So there's been a shift. In some places, the more forward thinking, uh, for sure, in the nursing home space, but even in other um, partnership facilities like assisted livings, um, daycare centers, that we have to just literally do what we're trying to do electronically. We got to walk outside of our building, walk into a senior center and do content marketing. Content marketing is not a new thing. You go and bring value. You present in front of a room full of people and you educate them about their blood pressure. You do a weight loss program. You do something that you're actually helping them out. They're going to, they're in turn, the way they pay for it, this is just the way uh, uh, socialization works, is by having a certain feeling towards you and your company, whatever you represent. And so therefore, they're going to be more likely to reach out to you when they need something that you planted in their brain uh, in a natural way of conversation that they may be able to help you out. That is something that, and some companies are doing a really good job at that. If you want to do well on social for these types of facilities, you want to do the same type of behavior. You want to develop a community online 
That means that the local businesses, you're going to engage with them online, not because you're supposed to, because you're really developing and cultivating a real relationship. That's how you make relationships. You don't stand on a street corner with, with a big, uh, what are those things called? A big bullhorn or whatever, and start yelling all your content and good ideas and do this and do that. And then someone says, oh, by the way, I have an idea. Ah, I'm creating content here. Go away, <laughs> right? That's not how it works. So Advertising is shouting over hoping that they will listen. And then people are like, I don't wanna to listen to that, you're shouting at me. Let me make up my mind. What's nice about content marketing, infographic, social, anyway, we wrap these things up. There's a, a fundamental disconnect when people try to understand how people think. Now, I will say something that isn't so popular with people, but too bad. I think a lot of people walk around with ideas that other people put in their mind. And not always for a good way. There's a whole, we, we could get on a whole tangent about how breakfast cereal became a thing. A lot of people don't realize that there's just, they're just parroting marketing messages and they have all these like strong opinions about stuff that they don't even know how it got in their brain in the first place. But right now, a lot of people are not thinking rationally. A lot of people are susceptible to listening to ideas or totally not listening to ideas. But there's a fundamental disconnect in the way that people think that people think to get their attention. Everybody thinks that if I just say, here's 10 reasons why my nursing home is better than so-and-so's nursing home, or here's you know a product grid of all the cool cereal and whatever, right? Everybody skips to the solutioning, they skip to the details, and they forget, we're still shaking hands here. We're still getting to know each other. You have to say yet, it doesn't make any sense. You see what I'm saying? So I think what's important to think about here is to examine how we actually think. We don't think by reading a hundred page report about anything and look through data for a hundred hours. It's just, it's unrealistic. Maybe white papers, right? White papers like convert. in some think tank or something, but no yeah, normal humans don't think like this. White papers might be good, but they're further down funnel for somebody who's already decided I'm going to go down that rabbit hole. So here's how people actually think. And if you don't believe me, just look around the world around you. They ask their friends, they ask their social circles, hey, I need a plumber. Hey, I need to have an elective operation. Hey, I need a nursing home, whatever, right? So you're gonna ask everybody you know on LinkedIn and WhatsApp and Facebook and wherever you like to hang out or in person. And then people are gonna give you they're in expert opinions, right? So let's say you need a mechanic for your car, it's on the fritz, whatever. So your friend is gonna say, go to Joe's garage. But then Joe's garage might've worked for 10,000 people, 5,000 times he was terrible, but the one random time with your friend, he was okay. Jeff Bezos likes to say that your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. And I, I'm not sure if it's, there we go. Uh, one thing to think about with your brand is it's not always you, the CEO, the person who started or whatever. A lot of times it's your worst employee on their worst day, right? Representing you. So, I mean, it's, it's crazy, like how people engage and interact with you. You don't know how they're seeing you the first time. You don't know how you're perceived. You don't know how they're thinking about you through the journey, right? So instead of going straight to all the details and all the solutioning, when we do this with infographics, the top of the infographic, the top of the funnel is a great big idea that everybody can appreciate. We connect on emotion because that's what's going to resonate. That's what's going to get people to stay. As much as we say people don't read and nobody has an attention span, 
I guarantee you this weekend, a bunch of people, they're going to sit there, watch whatever on Netflix, and they're going to binge watch an entire season, right? So how is it the same people who don't have 30 seconds have eight hours? doesn't make any sense, right? It's the same people. So there's something to be said for that. It's that people have become resistant to garbage content and stupid ads and being told what to think. And if you make something that resonates with them, that wants them to stay there, makes them want to stay there, they're going to give you permission to then talk about what you do, maybe sell a little, develop that relationship, develop that conversation, or like you said, make it their idea. People love it when people make things their ideas. It's wonderful. So connect on emotion, then have a story, and then have the data to back it up. I find is where we have the magic. And Shmuel, I see we have a, a few comments. I, I don't know if that's part of the process or whatnot, but I see there's a few people asking some cool questions out here that we know. Yeah, so let's actually do that. Let's let's bring up uh, one or two of them. This is one from uh, Shalom Ryman. So, hey guys, can you talk about how infographics can drive a sales funnel to help build census? Um, also, considering how most admissions come from referrals from the hospital, what's the thought process around how social is used in the post-acute space to help build census, and how can you help with that? So I think the second part we touched on a bit already, but maybe, Brian, can you take the first part of the question? All day long, my man. And thank you, Shalom. We appreciate you. Uh, so here's what I think when it comes to this. I love when people underestimate social, underestimate what we do with infographics. And I'm originally from New York, but like we're headquartered in Louisville, Kentucky, and I live in Cincinnati, Ohio. We have presence in both. So I love the thought of being underestimated. People are like, oh, that'll never work. That's just a stupid graphic, whatever. Oh, social media. Oh, the internet will never work, right? Everybody, they make these blanket assumptions without understanding it. So a lot of times it's great to be underestimated, especially like in an industry like this. Everybody's like, oh, this is just a boring industry. There's no reason to do social media there. I think if you put an exclamation at the end of their, that sentence and modify it a little, it's like, there is all the reason to do social media over there because everybody's asleep, which means that you could capture market share all day long because everybody else, it's like running a marathon where everybody else didn't even show up, right? Or they're all just yeah. standing there ready to run. You said you couldn't drive a car. So you like hit insane, mo ludicrous mode in Tesla and you're done in like two minutes. <laughs> but I digress. About infographics, sales funnels, all that kind of stuff. So what we do isn't just a design. To really unpack that and look at all the compartmentalized parts, again, it's building the emotion, it's telling the story, and it's putting in all the stats. So we've got a whole research team that puts stuff together with emotion leading the game, then designing it, but then as important, or really just some of its parts, right, is to get all that media. Now, people look at media differently. Some people buy media, some people earn media, some people do both. I'm not gonna make judgments, but philosophically, I'm very much team earned media because I think wholeheartedly, anybody can show up with a wheelbarrow full of cash and just say, hey, you know, feature us over here, whether you like it or not. And the publications might not even like your stuff. But to walk in on an editorial side and have them be like, yes, this is what we want and our readership's gonna love it. If you can be like a top story of the day and featured on some of these big websites, everybody's talking about you. And in this field, there's only a handful of really solid publications that everybody treats like it's from up on high. So to be seen in the big publications that the insiders know and like and care about, I'll call one of them out, for instance, like McKnight's. Ever since I've been really on this industry by storm, I've been a columnist at McKnight's and everybody's like, wow, this is amazing. 
And I'm like, not like all this other national media, like, doesn't that matter? And they're like, yeah, that's cool too. But like, we care about this. Right. So industries pay attention to what industry cares about. So I think the way that media works, according to like what we do as a service, there's really two waves. One is the initial wave of all the cool press and publications and links and traffic. But then if you think about it, anybody doing their proper due diligence on you should be Googling your company. If they're not, what the heck? They're crazy, right? Like they should be checking mm-hmm. you out. They should be looking at the Google news. They should see like if people have complaints or praise. I mean, that's part of doing very, very basic due diligence. It could take anybody with a computer or a phone 30 seconds. And if the place that's going to house mom or dad or grandma or grandpa has like 587 negative reviews saying there's piles of bodies in the next room, sorry to be gross, but <laughs> that's actually happened. You know there, right? So basic due diligence. You know why people do due diligence? Because it matters. If you're going to evaluate something as precious as human life of the people that gave you life, you know, you owe them at least a Google search. So having awesome news layered in as part of what it is. So it's like, oh, okay, great. Here's your website. Everybody has a website. Here's your social media channels. Great. But now look, they're positively being featured not negatively lit a fire like some of the stuff that we've been seeing out there. That's amazing. What an unfair advantage you have over the entire nation, region, world, whatever. Game over. In a place where nobody's even competing. Like if you were running a race, which uh, marathon runner is going to win? The guy who's like going like this, looking forward for those of you who are listening and not watching, or the guy who's looking side to side? You're going to trip over your own feet. You're going to lose your own race. So you should be racing against yourself. So As far as census, I mean, I'm not a nursing home administrator, but I think if you are surrounding the prospective buyer or the the parents or children, whatever, family decision makers, if they get to see this whole rich world that's talking about you in a positive way, if that's not building census, especially while you can't be traveling around freely, I don't know what could be, right? This is seeking to be like a one-for-one replacement of a lot of the fly across the country, do a handshake deal kind of a thing. I'll just add one point to what you said, Brian. And first of all, thank you for, for dealing with that, with that question. So, well, um, why I tell clients, if you're, if your care is terrible, I don't want to do your marketing for you because the goal of our marketing is to let people know how awesome you are. But if you're not awesome, so yeah, you might be surrounded with content. You're just gonna get people more upset because they're gonna be. I was in this place. This place is horrible. How dare they try to promote themselves as a place that gives you know the best care possible? How dare they try to fool the case managers and their hospital partners as if there's something that they're not? You know how dare they do this? But if you really do provide awesome care, if you're a service provider, if you're any business, any entity, any individual, and you really are awesome. The world needs to know that, and these tools can really work. Now, Brian, I know this has been uh, this has been an awesome uh, podcast episode already so far, and a great LinkedIn Live. Uh, before we sign off here, would you let the viewers, listeners, anyone who's interacting with this piece of content, uh, if they want to learn more about you, they want to learn more about your company, if they're interested in learning about infographics, where's the best place to send them, Brian? You betcha. So there's tons of people named Brian Wallace. So always look for the name of my company, which is now sourcing. Uh, definitely check me out on LinkedIn. I do tons of my content over there. And of course, on our website at nowsourcing.com. Okay, awesome. So again, you can check out Brian Wallace on LinkedIn, but make sure you look for now sourcing and also nowsourcing.com. 
Brian, it's been a pleasure having you on this live version of the Nursing Home Podcast. I know that the listeners and viewers who watched it live have already gained tremendously from this. And those who have not had the opportunity to do so will get it at the nursinghomepodcast.com. Um, who everyone sh- can head over to the nursinghomepodcast.com as well. And you can see all the other episodes that have been produced and learn more about Brian at nowsourcing.com. Thank you guys so much uh, for tuning into this broadcast. Now that you've enjoyed this episode of the Nursing Home Podcast, I'd really appreciate if you'd rate this podcast and let everyone else know what an amazing resource this is for those wanting to learn anything and everything about the nursing home industry. So head on over to ratethispodcast.com slash nursing home. Again, ratethispodcast.com slash nursing home. Leave me a review and let the world know what an amazing show this truly is. Thank you so much for listening and make sure to stay tuned and subscribe so you don't miss any other episodes.